Welcome to the Thereabouts Podcast, where we talk to those who are using sport to help people understand the world. In our first episode, we chat with Mark Eckhart about changing the way we look at and engage with sport, both as an individual and as a society. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Uh, welcome to our first show. My name is Angus Morton. I am one of the creators of Thereabouts. And I am coming to you from my living room where we've just been locked down here in Colorado. Uh, issued the stay-at-home order. I am joined by a fellow uh, curfewed individual, Thereabouts CEO, Isaac Carson, who is beaming in from his living room uh, in Portland, Oregon. Mate, how you doing? I'm doing well, yeah. I'm uh, stuck inside and uh, the rain has returned here uh, to Portland, Oregon, which makes staying inside all the more easier. I guess it's a good time to announce to everybody that we decided to do a Thereabouts podcast. We're going to do these when we feel like we have something to share. Um, and I apologize for the quality of my audio. Um, as Gus mentioned, I am locked down here in Portland, so don't have access to proper gear, but hopefully I sound okay. And so due to that, we thought in the strange time of cancellation, uh, it was just announced that, you know, the Olympics uh, are being postponed. Uh, it's important to take a look at why we love sport and the stories it allows us to tell, especially because we, you know, don't have access to the ability to do sport with each other at least for this short period of time. That's exactly right. Uh, it is an odd time and we thought, why not try and you know, produce some new content and get it out to everyone. I think uh, podcasting and, and writing indoors on Zwift or working out indoors is, uh, is becoming the, you know, the daily rigor for everyone who's used to getting out in the outdoors. So hopefully this can bring a little more joy to that. Um, and that, that brings us to today's episode. Um, thereabouts had a you know pretty big meditative year, I guess, in 2019, um, and we we come out at the end of the year and sort of changed our tack a little bit, and uh, and this is an interview we recorded at the end of 2019 with the man who helped us shape where we wanted to take thereabouts and and the purpose we wanted it to serve, I guess, within the sporting world and, and the greater community, and that is Mark Eckhart. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, because I think I also feel like there's a lot that I don't know about you. <laughs> so yeah, let's get. I'm really it. old, so there's a lot. Uh, so hey, everybody, what's up? Good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yes, I am Mark Eckhart, as Gus has shared. I dig chocolate chip cookies like big time. I'm obsessed with tractors and farmers. Like I'm all about the dirt. Although I grew up in Los Angeles, or an hour out of Los Angeles to be exact, in a little town called Claremont which is awesome. You know, grew up playing sports, so football, baseball, soccer, did a bunch of cycling when I was a kid. Even, I never shared this with you, I even started my own recreational cycling club. No way. I totally did. It's later down the line. I'll get back to that in a second. Grew up in an academic family. You know, my mother was the principal of one of the local elementary schools. Father was a head psychologist in our school district. Awesome family. Always kind of focused on doing the right thing, leveling up in terms of education, being out in the world. 
And so upon, you know, graduating from high school, went to school, studied business, graduated from college, immediately went into the world of music, was a professional drummer for many, many years, laddered that up, leveled that up into being a producer, working with independent artists, got to the point where Steve Jobs and Apple decided that they were going to take over the world of music in the industry. I saw that as an indicator to get out. So from there, I jumped into media and technology, and that was my entree into the world of startups and entrepreneurships. So I was part of a team that was based in the Netherlands, and we were selling a mobile marketing and messaging platform, more or less. Did that for a while, realized, had a couple of insights and aha moments, and was like, wow, success isn't necessarily, you know, the quality of the original idea or the amount of money that's in the bank account. Success comes down to the point where, you know, you either can either work with people or you can't. And those who can't have a harder time than those who can. So I kind of took that insight and uh, masked it up with the fact that I was heavily involved in formal Zen Buddhist training at that point. I had a, just a massive curiosity for neuroscience and a bunch of other modalities. And I kind of mashed that all up together and started consulting and working with really high-level professionals and creative executives and business entrepreneurs and leaders. And that caught the attention of this little boutique agency in L.A. called Ufuse. And this is how I met Bogusky, Isaac. We, so we were doing visionary, visionary strategy work at Ufuse, which is really kind of just kind of pushing the front edge of what was possible and how we can help people align everything that they were doing in order just to kick ass in the world. And we happened to land Bogusky and Rob Shuham as clients. And so I had the good fortune of leading both of those guys through the process that led to Common. And so I've been with Common since 2010. Uh, currently the CEO, and Common is a community and accelerator for socially responsible brands and businesses. So basically, our job is to help people kick ass, make a difference, and just amplify their work in whatever, whatever way we can. How did you get from you know musician, you saw the end of that industry in the shape that it was in? How do you move from that into Zen? What was that process looking like? And I guess what were the biggest things that you learned from that practice and that transition? Oh, okay. So, you know, Buddhism showed up in my life at the time where I had gone or I was going from like kicking ass and like producing pretty big results to finding it harder and harder to achieve the same things that at one point was very easy and fluid and natural. And, you know, I did therapy, I did workshops, I read books, I did a series of colonics, believe it or not, at the recommendation <laughs> of someone. I don't recommend 13 colonics back-to-back, folks. Wow. <laughs> um, what was the thinking there? You know, living in Los Angeles on the west side, yeah. you know. It gets Say no a, more. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody said, do this. Yeah. I did it. I mean, there's a there's a really interesting story for another time over drinks and dinner that entails in, in an intact shrimp. But um, we'll get to that another time. Um, but basically, I just felt like there was a shift taking place in my body and my ability and my sense of myself mm-hmm. that nobody could really unlock for me. And I did a bunch of stuff. And unfortunately, I met a Zen priest in training um, at that point in my life. And he's just like, ah, you know, after hearing about my story and what I was going through, he's just like, come to this intro. Maybe you'll find what you're looking for. And so I arrived at the Santa Monica Zen Center did a six-hour introduction, and it just immediately made sense. So it was the culmination of being a competitive athlete, being a musician, um, you know, being somebody who wants to make a difference, mashed up in one with a very clear path to developing oneself and kind of restoring whatever it is that I felt I had lost. 
So that's it. It was about kicking ass. It wasn't about like sitting on a mat and cushion, you know, navel gazing. It was like, how can I be a badass or more of a badass out in the world? You tell me about Common, who that's how uh, I certainly know you and that's how thereabouts has come to be uh, associated with you and then also to influenced by you. Well, uh, I believe that what one does out in the world is a reflection of what's going on inside of them. Um, so we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and all that other stuff that goes with Common and what we do. But at the end of the day, this is about human beings and the condition they're in and whether or not they're operating within a condition and within an environment that allows them to thrive and be impactful or not. And there's just so much baggage around entrepreneurship that everything that we do is really trying to get people back to, one, understanding themselves, having a clear path, and then being able to rely on those within an arm's reach to for support and guidance and whatever else they need to be effective. It's that simple. The big thing, too, is like community. Like Absolutely. Just thinking back to, you know, a time not long ago, like people just, you know, you mentioned humanity. Um, that's what community used to be like. You used to be able to go to your neighbor's house and borrow, you know, a hammer. And yeah. very quickly it's very been sort of, you know. Destroyed? Stopped. Yeah, destroyed. Yeah. Is that, yeah, like how do you see, I guess, the development or maybe not the development, the like the reversion of community? community. Uh, I'm going to get to community. I want to speak yep. to my experience as a professional musician and specifically mm -hmm. the moment where I literally put down the sticks and walked out the room because it's very similar to you. I, I started having an experience where I couldn't, I couldn't shake this question. It was just like, what the hell are we doing here? Like we're putting so much of our precious attention and time and energy into making music, which is way cool. And we know how the power of music and how it can move people, but I didn't find myself doing anything that satisfied my desire and need to be impactful. And so when I started looking around at my peers and my fellow musicians, I was like, this is a waste of my time. And it literally got to the point where I was in the middle of a rehearsal. It was on a Thursday afternoon with an artist who will <laughs> remain nameless. I put my sticks down and I walked out because I knew that I was no longer supposed to be doing music. So I can really, really relate to your story, Gus. And obviously, you're still on the bike and using sports as a catalyst. But the whole context for what you're doing has shifted. And it's, and it's awesome. So when it comes to community, and you know, maybe there was a time where community was something that was really kick-ass, and, and that's where people thrived. And you know, I guess there's an argument to be made at this point, community is not quite that, and community can be very toxic and unproductive. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think my honest answer is, you know, this is an experiment, common as an experiment in community infused around business and entrepreneurship. Uh, and I don't have a final answer, but I, I do use the principles that I committed to via taking vows as a Zen Buddhist priest as navigational tools. So I'm looking for the moments where we have that really powerful experience of connection, and then those moments where everybody kind of retreats and is in it for themselves. And I ask myself, what's going on? What is it about the experience we're generating together that has us retreating from one another? And then you add in the fact that we're in working in the context of business, and we're supposedly measuring our success on money, that makes it even harder because so much of what has been ported into the world of social entrepreneurship is this bias around scarcity or this belief in scarcity that we've inherited through the rules and dynamics of capitalism. So community is very, very hard for me to put a, a name and a, a define it, but I know when it's happening 
It's an experience. It's not a fixed thing that is always going to be this. It's constantly evolving, taking different shapes and form. So like right now, we've got community going on here in the room. You know, I can just feel the connection. There's resonance. And it's just going to deepen the more we continue this conversation. But this is happening within the larger context of the common community. And so it's really interesting to look at it from that perspective. Do you think, well, as a kid, you're taught in school, like, the world's a competitive place, right? You Mm -hmm. have to compete, and um, that's the way you're going to sort of succeed. And I guess a question I have for you is, as people get a taste of, like, you know, the opposite is true, like collaborating with like-minded people or even people doing the opposite thing to you, both just from learning what they're up to, their perspective, and just sharing your expertise. Like, do you think... The question is, like, as the world becomes, like, a closer-knit place, is there hope that, you know, we could get back to the original sort of community? My number one strength is competition. Really? Yeah. I will take your head off. <laughs> um, as, I don't believe it. Uh, well, I mean, there's, it's true in one sense and not in the other. Yeah. Um, you know, as a competitive athlete, that, that part of me just got refined. Also, yeah. as a musician, you know, really, really working hard and inspiring to be, you know, a master at that craft. Um, but what I've realized now is that what I'm, what I, why I'm competitive and what I compete against is the challenges and the problems in the world. Like, I'm competing because I want to win. I want to solve those things. And so I think I can embrace competition really powerfully. And I catch a lot of heat in the world of social enterprise by saying that we should be competing fiercely. Like there's people even within our uh, community that push back on that because there's this notion that, you know, community is is a win-lose game. Uh, Competition is a win-lose game um, or zero-sum game. But I do think that there's a very healthy part of competition. There's an aspirational part of it coupled with solving problems. In terms of looking forward or back towards community, I think we have to look forward. We can be informed by the past, but if we're trying to build community based on the models that were used during the industrial age and all that kind of stuff, uh, maybe not the right uh, set of questions to be presenting ourselves as we define, as we craft and design community. Well, and I think, too, like what is success? You know, you mentioned that earlier, and I think it's changing in all the industries now, including sport. Competitiveness isn't the problem, right? We're inherently competitive um, and people are on varying levels um, to their positive and to their detriment sometimes. We need to redefine what competition is, what that outlet is. You know, like it it can't be a kill or be killed attitude. Um, This world no longer serves that. And current society, as we're seeing, this kind of shifts... You know, we live in a world where that no longer um, serves the human race yeah. in a in a good way. So, my to to your point uh, to your question, um, Isaac, I believe in competition. I believe we need to rethink it. What that looks like, in the same way that you're talking about community, I'm really not sure because I believe, for example, last year I was in I I did a ride with my brother from Albania or actually from Montenegro down through Albania, Kosovo, um, I can't remember, like all the way through Greece, into Turkey. And, and we're in Greece, you know, in, a north, in the northwestern um, part of Greece, and there was a, a, a gigantic mountain. Anyway, my brother and I had a race up that mountain. Yeah. Like that was competitive, and we raced, and we went deep. And, and, but there was something 
really lovely about that and I don't quite know how to articulate it but probably the best way was it was like a healthy competition there was something nice about that and why that is different to going out and racing a bike race you know I don't quite know why that is I, I don't know whether it's because the stakes there are like the stakes are different the stakes are something it's relationship based right whereas I think that there's no relationship when you're trying to win a prize you're trying to win a jersey or you're trying to win sure. a, a gold medal well it's also someone came up with your cycling schedule and you know you're on it like versus you racing your brother up the hill like that's very much for you guys yeah i think there's something to that you i think you're totally right doing things the way that you want to do them since when did recreation have to be a certain way yeah right like since when did when did recreation become about being the best at something and i think that the system we have the system we have now rewards very few and it's fleeting. It's, it's so interesting to hear you share about, you know, racing up the hill with your brother. In my experience as an athlete, like the, the people that I could never compete against were the people that I cared about, you know, family yeah, really. or close friends. Because for me, it was just so black and white. I'm either taking your head off in mm. order to win or I'm not. And I couldn't do that to the people that I love. But it's a really interesting <laughs> insight in terms of like, I think there's a little bit of a call it like a statement that applies to the world there. We, and very much we relate to each other. Like either either we love you or we don't. And those we don't, you're on the outside and we're gonna like we're gonna go hard at you in order to achieve. But it's so fascinating that you can you can compete against your brother in what sounds like a really healthy way and like yeah. go all in and have it be cool. You, I think you're exactly right. And that comes to what I guess like to what we wanna do. Um, in the future of the sport is uh, or sorry with the future of sport is look at okay why is this not working in its current guys like why isn't it fun like why you know why and then and then if it's not fun like because it shouldn't always be fun I think that's something to that point like riding up that hill like it hurt you know like this in the same way that doing you know like studying for an exam hurt so it's that type two fun right but I think that there needs to be an outcome of that you know and so all of a sudden if it's like i'm suffering for something that i don't believe in that i don't care for and that i don't even want and then all of a sudden it's like well why the fuck are you doing it yeah yeah. why does it look like that and what i discovered was 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 that if i ride my bike in a different way uh it's something else completely that's what i that's what i think we need to start doing like you know when you jump in that pool um at five years of age and you swim down that first lesson that's the first step and the last step is the gold medal podium yeah. in 10 to 15 years time sort of thing so that i think we need to change that yeah i think the outcome needs to be different um because you know i've met a lot of athletes that have become worse people as a result of pursuing these sure um well, worse person's not the right word sorry um have have suffered um as a human being yeah as a result of pursuing these ends and yeah. certainly you know maybe if we yeah the sport of role uh, the role of sport in if we can change that i think we can make the world a better place right? yeah so i have like a maybe this is a bit of a random story but maybe it's like a a first step in in the direction of what you just described so my younger daughter uh, young my youngest daughter naya who is seven years old just mm-hmm. completed her first softball season mm-hmm. I mean, it was the most amazing thing. I totally got to relive my childhood. I think I was more into it than she was, but who cares? Um, So, I mean, literally, you have a young girl, seven years old, who had never caught a ball with a glove or hit a ball with a bat before she tried out for the season. So she got on the team, and, you know, to make a long story short, the team got to the championship game. 
and she crushed it. The team crushed it, and they ultimately won the championship. And, I mean, it was such a joyous moment. People are going nuts. The parents are just losing it. It was just killer. But, of course, on the other side of the field, in the other dugout, there was the team that were not the champions. Mm -hmm. And I saw the opposing team's coach do something that just moved me to tears. It was like, okay, the competition is done. How can I leave these kids intact? So it remains a positive experience, regardless if you're the championship of you know, champions of the league or not. And what he did is he took out from he took off from the dugout and he sprinted all the way around the perimeter of the field, down the first baseline, out to the outfield, across the grass, along the fence, and back down to home. And as soon as the kids from both teams saw that happening, they just gave chase. And in two seconds, they were laughing, they were shouting, they were having so much fun together. And when he got home and things settled down, you couldn't tell which team was which because the girls had reconnected with their friends on the other team. And they were back into relationship and back in harmony and back in that place of joy. It was so powerful. So maybe if we still need to compete in like the context of win or lose, there's a way to restore community and relationship and friendship immediately on the heels of fierce competition. And that's a perfect example of, I think, never, lo never losing sight of play, right? Yeah. Um, and why we do this. And I think that like that's where this whole discussion around the role of sport in society, I think, gets really muddied because it's, it's, not, that f it's not really that far away from where it should be. Yeah. It's our attitude towards it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that, that, that we forget and look like this extends beyond just sport, but we created the rules of sport. Totally. Why should the rules of sport dictate what it is to be a human being? Things evolve. Constantly <laughs> changing. So like why can't sport? Why can't, yeah. you know, why can't the rules? Why can't the way we engage with it? That's what um, I've discovered as a result of being a professional athlete and, and then also to not being success not reaching the success or what I deem successful and then being yeah. forced to kind of redefine yeah. what my idea of success is and then by extension of that everything we've just yeah. spoken about I think that yeah that's the, that's the purpose of, of thereabouts now is to is to figure out a new way to do sport yeah and not only that but then use that to help everybody in the world be happier be better um, at what they do uh, or what they you know and, and also to encourage and like and help them hopefully achieve yeah happiness i guess and satisfaction and and yeah. uh and and a greater good well that brings me right to your vision statement for thereabouts which is a world of new perspective yeah right so i it kind of feels like we should kind of dig into that at this point and how yeah. you arrived there i mean now that we've got some a little bit of the backstory and the choices you made uh, in relationship to sport and as an athlete and even the work that you've done in the films up to now but you know, why is that statement, you know, why is a world of new perspective so important at this point in your work and in your, you know, newly founded partnership with Isaac? That's a really good question. Um, and, and, of course, we'll get in how you got there. I was going to say, I was just about to say, like, um, why is that so important? Well, I, I guess I guess the, f the very first thing, and, and as you said, we'll get to how we got there, but the very first thing is it's a distillation of all of that rambling that I just had. It's a yeah. distillation of my personal feeling towards sport like I see sport my, I mean my experience with sport like I had a journey across Australia that took 10 14 days yeah and it completely changed my life like I've always been I'm reticent to say that sort of thing and you see people like oh I had this you know life-changing moment and I'm like yeah 
you know, like righto, yeah. whatever. And, really? even, and even after really? I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even after I'd had that experience, I still wasn't like this was revelatory. But mm-hmm. dude, it was. It really was. And so, because it because it set something off. You know, it gave me a new perspective, right? And and so that was the first thing was like, you know, it was the idea of like the bike is an incredible tool. All you have to do is look at it differently. That was kind of step one. Yeah. And then as a result of that, so I took that that perspective, or, you know, or that changed perspective on on to look to, as a way to look at the bike, and went out into the world. And then all of a sudden, I was like, holy shit! Yeah. Um, we've been doing this wrong. And wow. or I've been doing this wrong. Okay. I've been in, you know, like my whole view has been wrong. If I just, you know, if more people could experience, you know, the bike in this way or and then by extension of that sport in this way, if we could figure out how to, to make sport, you know, this kind of eye-opening device that can take you out into the world and, yeah. and introduce you to people, maybe like, you know, like so many people's lives would be would be positively affected by that and and certainly so many people's lives who have potentially been negatively affected by sport and so yeah so i think that i guess like a world of new perspective is the distillation of that idea that you can completely change your worldview you can you can experience multiple worldviews you can have experiences that you like that you don't like but are all ultimately part of part of growing up and 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 growing into a well-rounded thoughtful compassionate empathetic human being and i really do believe certainly i mean you know we could talk out for hours on the current state of of society and and going back to community but i really do believe that this isn't the answer to it but i feel that this is maybe a way that we can look at it maybe this is a way that we can engage and we'll meet somewhere in the middle yeah but it's my job having experienced this to push in this direction yeah like that's that's my role. Yeah. In a second, I'm going to ask you about just to kind of share how you and Isaac teamed up mm. to conquer the world. But what I love about your experience, your work, and your journey to date is that it really underscores how unique we are, and if we can embrace the things that make us who we are and the the, the contents of our life that make it what it is. We really all do have a unique opportunity and perspective that we can contribute to the larger conversation that's trying to unpack and solve and move through these larger problems that we're facing. And like it's so distinct, like bike, athlete, out in the world, making that little tweak in perspective, engaging in a different way. I mean, it's cool. And if, if your listeners are out there, if there's like one thing that I say that makes any sense and that's worthwhile to kind of grab a hold of and run away with and use, it's that. It's like, like we are so unique. If we just look at who we are and the contents of our life, those are all the tools that you need. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Like, and that's to, to that point is we're not reinventing the wheel or we're not changing really anything that's so – we're certainly not changing the fundamentals of there, right? Like, yeah. The, the bike has been the, the same forever. Yeah. yeah. Just to add to that, I, th- I think it's just sort of like reminding and highlighting the fact that like, hey, the bike is an amazing tool and not to get too deep or far into like the problems of the world. Go but, deep, man. Go deep. No, but I think there's lots of confusion in the world at this moment. Yeah. And just seeing people ride a bike, even if it's just a weekend warrior, what that does for them in a small mm-hmm. dose or hey, I'm going to jump on my bike and go for an hour ride and take a break from my, you know, daily grind. Yeah. There's like a power to healing that you can get from a bike. And so just sort of reminding people like the importance of, hey, you have this thing in the corner leaning up against the wall. Maybe you should jump on it and go for a spin. Look at what it could do. And so at what point were you like, hey, Gus, man, if we're, we're going to do this thing, we got to reach out to Mark. Back to point of May, but I think there's a lot of confusion 
in the world. And I think a lot of it is you grow personally, like you don't know like what's right. And yeah. um, well, Mark, you and I met eight years ago here in Boulder. Which totally. Is, time flies. Fearless cop. I knew like, yeah, when Gus and I first talking, like we, we had these like hour long calls, like two, three hour long calls. Um, That's cool. And we knew what it was, but we didn't know how to say it. And I was, yeah. I was like, oh, we, there's only one person we, in the world who could help us. Oh, and that's that was, sweet. And that was you. And after the first call, you know, we had another three-hour call where we were just like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, why, like, how can we, like, it's so obvious, you know? <laughs> and we were reading your notes and just being like, this is like, and it wasn't just like, for me, not to speak for you, Gus, like, it's been sort of my, it has been my mission for since I met you, Mark, like eight years ago, like, and I didn't, and we've, you know, you helped me along the way, like the past, you know, few years, try to unlock what it is personally for me. And sure. so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, after the first call, it wasn't just like, oh, we know what this thing is of thereabouts. It's like, oh, we know why we wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why I'm so excited about cycling and sport and why riding up the mountain with your brother feels so good, mm. you know? That's been a really interesting thing for me. Like, I, I definitely feel like what thereabouts was, you know, in April this year when I had my visa revoked and, and, and lost my job yeah. is completely different to what it is now. I think that that what it was then was like, you know, like an angry teenager yeah, yeah. to someone who is all of a sudden they, they, they've grown up a lot and they're an adult now and all of a sudden they have an understanding of responsibility and they have an understanding of um, intentions. You know, if you if you do something and you're cohesive and you're... Um, and you're, you know, always moving forward, and, you, and you've got good intentions. Good things will come. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'd say, like, to add to that, like, I, it is a gift to have a clear vision and mission because yeah. it's, because like the the you running around before, which it wasn't really running around, but you distilling it or or like yeah. understanding like here are the re- here's why I was running around for this very sort of not to take ourselves too seriously, but for this thing that could have, you know, massive impacts. And this is an interesting thing, I think, because, like, for people listening to this, um, which I think is, is something really important, is go out and find your mark. When you refine your vision, you find your vision and you find your mission. My job now isn't to make films about riding bikes. My job is to push this mission. Exactly. It, yeah. All of a sudden it goes from you being the person that this is about to like, oh, no, no, no. Something totally different. This, is, this isn't yeah. about me. This is about everybody yeah. else here. And that's the power of finding this. And that's why yeah. I think the genius of, of, of Common is something that needs to be, people need to embrace that like worldwide. It's the confidence of like, not, you know, of knowing what you're doing is the thing in a way that when you don't have this clear sort of like, you know, these two clear sentences... Yeah. It's just a feeling. It's a, hey, I feel like I need to do more. Hey, I feel like this thing sort of like is important, but I can't. Like once you have like the sentence of here's why this thing matters, um, it's a totally different thing. One of the things that really unlocked vision for me, and I think this is what really kind of cracked it open for both of you, is when I recast vision as an experience and not as a destination. 
I think where people get stuck with vision is that they, you know, they craft this lofty statement and then look out into in the world and what's going on. They're like, there's no fucking way I'm mm-hmm. going to achieve this. Like Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement did not end racism. I mean, that's abundantly clear at this point in time. But they painted, they created, they articulated a vision of the world that they were committed to, to such a degree that people were able to understand it, but more importantly, onboard it as their own personal self-narrative or part of their own personal self-narrative. And that's the power of vision, is you create an image of a world or an experience that you want to have to such a degree that people are like, I want that, and I'm going all in. It's what makes people tattoo your brand, your logo, (laughs) onto their arm or part of the body. Like, you put something in front of them that allows, that resonates, an idea or concepts that resonates with such clarity that they make it part of their personal narrative. I think that's what thereabouts has done for the people who've watched it previously is like it's highlighted the fact that like the experience is the thing that matters and i know this Mm -hmm. is different than what you're talking about now with with you know vision being an experience but the the experience in all things is what is important not like hey the result of that it's like deciding where you want to go then not looking at a map yeah right you're never going to get there right um and that's certainly through this process i mean like age-old, it's the road less traveled, it's not about the destination, it's the journey. Yeah. Like, that's true, like, that's very, very true, but I think that it's it's not just about participating in it, it's about actively making it your own, yeah. which is that inheriting that vision, yeah. but not becoming fixated on where you're going Yeah. at the end, like, what's the end of where you're going? It's like right It's now. like being like, what's, like, like going through the motion right now? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think there's, that that's something I've definitely learn in this process and and as a so as a result of that i then look and i'm like oh shit like now this is where all these problems are coming from like yeah why is there all these issues in the way that we what like why are there issues with the way that we engage with professional sport you know yeah. why are we like you know the, you, you have these issues with people doing things for the wrong reason but it's like well why are they doing that for the wrong reason like they're not inherently bad people aren't inherently bad and it's like oh it's because they've got this side of a destination and they're doing whatever it takes to get there but they don't realize that like that's not the point of yeah it. um, a and as a result they've lost cause and, and i guess like the ship has been commandeered and it's veered off course right totally so there's a couple of things that just popped to mind so when you both came to me it was like abundantly clear that you're creative visionary doing really cool shit and there is a ton of opportunity and possibility. Yeah. And you even kind of described this today in your own in particular way and fashion. You had a lot going on, but you couldn't sense whether or not it was allowing you to progress along the trajectory that you intuitively felt you wanted to and needed to. And so the way all of the way you can make sense of what you're doing and everything you're doing is by articulating a vision. Because that defines the context within which everything that you do and everything occurs gets assessed. And then very quickly you can go, I should be doing this, I should not be doing that. And it just, it, again, it just allows you to line everything up and move you in a very, very clear line towards what it is that you want to achieve in the world. I got a question for you, Mark, is first of all, who needs a vision and a mission? Everybody. And, and and so so you don't need to be trying to, you know, as we are, like, present a new perspective on sport. You can just be going to school or going to... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no right or wrong 
or this is a vision, that isn't a vision. I mean, there's some technical parts to it. It has to be aspirational. It has to identify or articulate the context within which everything is going to happen. But other, aside from those two things, you know, you could be a school teacher. You could be one. You could just want to be a, a parent, or you could be, you know, somebody who's the president of the United States. It doesn't matter. But you have to be clear about the context that you're operating from and generating. And then to that, what's then a, what's like a piece of advice that you would impart for people for like for people listening to this for us ourselves? Like, if there's a piece of advice that you can give someone looking forward piece of advice looking forward living your life based on your vision and what matters most is a, definitely a life worth living it's not always easy it can be really intense it can be hard but if you set yourself on that path you will discover parts of yourself that you never thought were there you will find a resolve and you will refine you will find a, a wisdom that is almost unaccessible unless you make that declaration and create that vision for yourself. That sounds exactly like going on a very, very, very long, very, very, very hard bike ride. (laughs) So yesterday we were, we were like just chowing down pizza and you were sharing about, you know, the projects, the rides that you go on. And there was a point in that conversation. I was like, wow, like you're really putting yourself out there exposing yourself and saying, yes, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for prolonged periods of time (laughs) in circumstances that are at best highly uncertain because there's something underneath it all that's driving there. There's, and you you know, you, you just, you've already talked about what I just was pointing at. Like there's a wisdom there. There's a, there's a, a, a quality of personal discovery that makes it all worth it. And then couple that with this clear intention that you have, like that's like unstoppable. Like, who's going to say no to you, like, when they learn that, like, you're putting yourself at risk of being eaten by a polar bear, which is true, which yes. is true. And, like, sleeping outside in sub-zero temperatures with barely any, you know, gear. And meanwhile, Isaac's in the truck several exactly. miles away, but intentionally far enough away so you can't rely on it. I mean, like, mm. when people understand where that's coming from and why you're willing to go so far out, your vision makes even more sense. Like, because... Unless you're clear about why you're doing it and why it matters, why you're doing it and why it matters, you don't go to those extremes. But at this point in life, we and where we are in culture, people need to go to those extremes in a healthy, thought out, safe way. But there has to be some element of leaning in and putting on a line. Yeah. And I think like what you just said, then that piece of advice is is, like very much encapsulates um, my experience in sport and like what we, what we're thinking, which I guess is you know how we yeah. how we got there, um, and I think by so so to extend on what you said, sport can give you that, which is a, a life with purpose, with meaning, yeah, um, and and that's not going to be easy, but it will ultimately be fulfilling, and I think that that's really important as an education. You know, you spend twelve or thirteen years going to school. Go and spend twelve or thirteen hours riding your bike, or go and spend twelve or thirteen hours out hiking, or totally. go and sleep in the snow, like. Then you know, same thing. You'll start to, you know, you'll start. Things will start to click. Doors will start to open, and totally. you start to. Uh, I agree. To hum, mate. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like this has been, I know, an- another fantastic uh, and also like enlightening uh, conversation. I, I, for for your listeners, I'm pointing at, um, you know, the thereabouts uh, vision statement. 
because this conversation for me is like mm. totally opened up perspectives perspectives about you personally about the work about the sport the practice Isaac as well and you know we've had a chance to talk about vision and the work that we've run together and I'm hoping and I've got my fingers crossed that that will have opened up new possibilities and perspective for folks well as well so yeah. this is this is happening yeah. a world of right? new perspective is yeah. happening it's um, happening we, right now we, we are going to use sport to help people understand the world I hope we've already done that a little bit but we're certainly going to try a lot harder and uh, and yeah if you just if you just engage in it you will truly have a world of new perspective. <laughs> Thank That's you, Mark. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And that's all we have time for today. Uh, well, actually, um, it's that's not at all all we had time for. We've got all the time in the world at the moment. <laughs> but that's, that's the only amount of time that we're going to give to the first episode of the Thereabouts podcast. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed it. Um, and since you're all stuck inside, why not give us a shout out? Uh, you can reach us at howdy at thereabouts.co. That's H-O-W-D-Y at thereabouts, T-H-E-R-E-A-B-O-U-T-S dot co, C-O. Tell us what you want to hear about on the show. Tell us who you want to hear from on the show. Or maybe just tell us what you're up to in quarantine make the emails long make them short we got all the time in the world as i said and uh while you're there make sure you subscribe to this show on apple podcasts uh which is the only sort of place you can get it right now um and you know to ensure that you can get the show mainlined into your phone into your headphones into your brain every whenever we feel like putting it out uh also follow along on social media at here or thereabouts H-E-R-E-O-R-T-H-E-R-E-A-B-O-U-T-S. I feel like an idiot spelling that out. Uh, Say that 10 times. (laughs) You'll figure it out. (laughs) Um, But until next time, take it easy. Isaac, thanks, man. Thank you.